Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. Hello, today I'm really pleased and delighted to introduce to you Diane Porterfield, who's a nurse who I've known for a little while now, and I'm thrilled that she's been doing more and more with me in my clinic and also to improve care of menopausal women. So, hi Diane. Hello Louise. Thanks so much for coming. So, you're a nurse practitioner, but you've also got your own company, haven't you, called Born to Care, but there's a bit of a play on the word born, so perhaps you could just say initially what you do and what your company is. I'm a nurse practitioner and I've been nursing for over 30 years now. I developed Born to Care about five years ago because I realised that there was a need for more education uh, with women generally um, in the Mm. workplace and socially just to educate people on their health. And so really the last couple of years I've specialised more in menopause care and I've been giving talks in different settings in workplaces and in social groups and individually to women, really trying to empower them and educate them about their own health Mm. and how menopause can affect their lives and the families really. So how did you get into menopause more? Uh, I I met a lady um, a couple of years ago that had had a really awful time with her menopause and um, she didn't know anything about it. And she realised that there was very little help out there. And she asked me for some support. So I did some research. And the more I read into it Mm. and read the nice guidelines and lots of your research as well. And I realised that there was a real problem here that people didn't know enough about menopause. And had you realised that before Mm. at all? No, Mm. it wasn't anything I'd really been involved with in the past. Um, But this was that was a real catalyst, really. And everything changed from that point on. Because it is interesting, isn't it? So I... um, I've always looked after women who have been menopausal, but I never realised there was such a big problem because I'm sure in your clinical practice as well, we see people who come to us, we treat them, and then we go to our next patient, we treat them, and so on. And sometimes we don't realise how other people are maybe not being treated the same way or not having the same experience. And so the NICE guidelines are the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence guidelines, aren't they? And they came out in November 2015, and they're the first nice menopause guidelines on the diagnosis and management of the menopause and I don't know about you but I was actually quite excited when they came out it's a bit nerdy being excited about guidelines but I've read them quite a lot yes and they're compared to a lot of guidelines they're not they're not too long are they there's good summary and there's good um version for women as well isn't there so yeah they're very easy to read and from a health professional perspective it gives you some very clear guidance about when blood tests need to be organized for patients And really what women need to expect as well. So for me, I, I then speak to my colleagues. Yes. I work in a walk-in centre, um, in a city centre. And I work with lots of different nurse practitioners and see lots of patients with lots mm. of different health needs. Yeah. Um, so for me, I can use the basis of the NICE guidelines to make judgment calls on what treatments and advice these patients yes. really need. Which is really good, isn't it? Because I think in the past, the menopause has been quite fragmented. And I know certainly even in my practice where I used to work as a GP we all had different views about the menopause and sometimes that would lead to quite confrontational practice meetings because I was very adamant how safe HRT was and other doctors were saying gosh no it will give people breast cancer yeah Um, so actually to have a guideline that says for the majority of women the benefits of HRT outweigh the risks yeah is really good, isn't it? And it's it's something to back things up. So when Especially. people say to me, doesn't it cause breast cancer? And yes. I say, it doesn't cause breast cancer. Yes. 
I said, if the, if it did cause cancer and cause that many health problems, then there wouldn't be nice guidelines advising Absolutely. it to be first line treatment. Absolutely. And then people are like, oh, I didn't realise yes. that. And, that's, and that makes it a lot more credible, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Also, you say we'll just touch briefly about the blood tests because that causes a lot of confusion, doesn't it? Very much so. So what do they say? Just remind us what it says about blood tests. Well, blood tests are basic for you. Age of 45 and under, then blood tests can be indicated to check for certain levels yes. to see if you've got some menopausal symptoms. Um, if you're under 45, then it's incredibly important that you get further investigations. Mm. But if you're over 45, you don't need a blood test yes. to let you know whether you're actually experiencing the menopause or not. Yes. If the GPs want to test for your thyroid or other levels, that's completely normal. Mm. Uh, but certainly not to identify don't menopause. Hormone levels, no. do you? Because I'm sure you've spoken to, and I've certainly spoken to hundreds of women who have said, oh, my doctor said my blood tests are normal. So therefore, I'm the fact that I haven't had a period for three years, I can't be menopausal. Well, that's yeah. rubbish. It's all about the symptoms which is so important because also it means we can crack on and help people and like you say education is really key we're not here to say that every woman has to take HRT but I feel and I know you do that every woman should have the right education about the menopause and the effects that it has doesn't it so um, as you know it causes so many different symptoms not just hot flushes and sweats and one of the things we were talking about recently in your walk-in center that you go to was the number of women that have urinary symptoms can you maybe just talk a bit about those and why would urinary symptoms be related to menopause a lot of people can't understand the link yeah I see this an awful lot Mm. um ladies in the 40s and 50s coming into the walk-in center thinking they have a urinary tract infection take a full history, um, dip test their urine, and there's not a hint of anything in it at all. I then speak to them about their menstrual cycle, Mm. and then they'll tell me that either they don't have any periods anymore or they had a hysterectomy and they don't have periods. Yes. And that brings me into the subject of discussing menopause and low estrogen. Mm. Um, Does that surprise them? Yes. Yes. They can't make the link at all, um, and they're really surprised um, that I'm having a conversation about menopause. when they've come in because they think they need some antibiotics. Yes. But when I identify that the most likely cause is the fact of um, there's a, something called the genitourinary symptom syndrome of menopause, which is a collection of different symptoms that women get when they're menopausal yes. that has uh, urinary symptoms, um, frequency, um, burning, stinging, mm. vaginal soreness, vaginal dryness, yes. incontinence, yes. all these various things, painful sex. Yes. And all these are linked in with low estrogen. Mm. So all, all the estrogen receptor cells are now depleted of estrogen, which causes the changes in like the genitourinary tract that causes the problem. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it? So not everyone even knows about estrogen receptors being present on our vaginas Um, and around 70% of women have some degree of vaginal dryness so the the lining of the vagina becomes thin less elastic Um, but also like you say these estrogen receptors are on our pelvic floor aren't they they're in our bladder so a lot of women say they cough and sneeze and there's a problem yeah or they put the key in the door when they come back from shopping and oh my god they've got to run to the toilet <laughs> yeah. and and then when you talk to this yeah that has changed recently I thought it was just because I was getting older these women aren't old they're in their mid 40s mid 50s that's not old is it and no. and it's usually related isn't it to um the low estrogen levels that occur and they've no idea that it's mm. to do with menopause. They, no. they they literally think it's this one particular problem. And in the past, they've been treated with antibiotics yes. for urine infections. 
Um, some women have had samples sent off to the lab to be tested. Yes. Obviously, if there's an infection, that's different. Totally. But for the majority of women mm. that I see, um, it's more to do with the fact they definitely have vaginal symptoms yes. of the menopause. Yeah. Um, and when I discuss that with them, it's a bit of a light bulb moment. Mm. And they yeah. realise they need to maybe investigate it further. Yeah, and it's very important because we know, don't we, as clinicians, we shouldn't be prescribing as many antibiotics. Yeah, There's a huge problem with antibiotic resistance. Dame Sally Davis, the Chief Medical Officer, has done a phenomenal amount of work making us aware of antibiotics, overuse. Um, but a lot of women still have been given antibiotics yeah. quite repeatedly aren't they which um they don't need as you say if they've had a dipstick or they've had their urine sent off and it's negative then we shouldn't be giving them antibiotics yeah. um so what can we do how can we help it i think from a nurse's point of view we need to be educating women about the signs and symptoms of vaginal problems mm. um during the menopause and encouraging women to um read up on the information yes. about vaginal dryness and, and urinary symptoms associated with menopause mm. and be aware that it can quite easily happen yes. and that it's, it's something to be aware of and discuss it with your gp there are vaginal lubricants and moisturisers yes. you can buy over the counter. But they, they vary, don't they? And they do. They some are, are very good. Yes. Uh, there are some brands that I would recommend, yes. such as um, Silk and Yes, yes and Regal. Yes. Uh, and there are some that I wouldn't advocate yes. because of the alteration in the pH. Yes. I mean, we don't want to name and shame, but I do think it's worth saying KY Jelly, which yeah. is something we use to examine w- women is fine in the examination room, but it should stay in the examination room. And not to be used. I do hear women using this a lot um, and the colour must drain from my face when they tell me that. (laughs) Yeah, because it's quite drying and also it can cause some irritation as well, can't it? And then other people go to chemists and they'll buy something that's scented or um your face is going already <laughs> I know <laughs> or some of them are flavored and it's, it's a massive market out there isn't it and yeah. and then some patients say to me well my husband's so desperate for sex he goes to Ann Summers and he'll pick something off the shelf <laughs> and then a lot of women say it smarts it makes it more painful yeah. but they're so desperate to please their partner they they think that's as good as it gets so it's very important and certainly I know you do and we do here. We have lots of samples of these products you've mentioned yeah. and we give women a choice because it's like choosing your face moisturiser, isn't it? Yeah. But, so these have not got hormones in them at all um, and they just draw the moisture in, don't they, to the cells and they can work really well and some women may notice they reduce the frequency of urinary symptoms as well. So that's one treatment. What else can women do? Well, there are lubricants as well that they can yes. use before they're having sex and mm-hmm. certainly if some, you know clothing underpants and trousers are causing irritation yes. but also the things like vaginal um, hormone replacement therapy yeah as well as systemic hormone replacement yeah. therapy so the two are quite different aren't they yeah. so the vaginal treatments are not the same as systemic hrt no. so we just usually call them vaginal estrogen so Women who can't take HRT for various reasons or don't want to can have vaginal estrogen quite safely, yeah, can't they? Absolutely. And there's virtually nothing that's absorbed into the systemic yes. system. It just stays in the vaginal area yes. and feeds the estrogen receptor cells there. So they start to flourish again, really, yeah, preventing yeah. all the symptoms that they've been experiencing. Yes. So how do people use that? What's just explain? Uh, well, there's diff- there, are, there are creams. There mm-hmm. are uh, most common one is a pessary in which yes. you insert a little bit like a tampon applicator yes. um, into the vagina. Um, and it's sort of like a maintenance. So you might put it in every night for or for two weeks yeah. and then you use it a couple of times a week for the rest of your life, really. Yes, and that's really key, isn't it? The rest of your life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the reason I'm picking up on that is that traditionally in the past, we were told that women could only have it for a few months. When their symptoms improved, you stop, mm. which is the worst thing to do, isn't yeah, it? Because all the symptoms return. And once the lining of the vagina is thin, it stays thin and gets thinner without treatment, doesn't yeah. it? So the guidelines, it, it, the NICE guidelines are very clear that local vaginal estrogen should be used in the long term. So for women, that usually means it can be put on their repeat prescription, doesn't it? Yes. And they should carry on. So that's really important. Um, so the, you can have it as a pessary, have it as a cream. Yeah. And then there's also this estering, isn't there? This little plasticated ring that's got estrogen in, yes. which some women use that lasts for three months, doesn't it? So yeah. that there are lots of different ways of getting the estrogen there. It's whatever suits you when you're happy with really yes and there's also a new product that's just been launched i don't know if you're aware of that has got dhea which is a precursor for estrogen and testosterone which is as it comes as a pessary actually and um that can stimulate the testosterone receptors which we have in our vaginas too so that's yeah. interesting it's all about choices isn't it and having that's right options and these can be used with moisturizers as well can't they so yeah and I think the moisturizers are really important totally yeah Yeah. I think you really I I say to women I know it sounds an awful lot of information to begin with but once you've achieved sort of like a maintenance in your body Mm. then everything will start to improve and it's literally just of top-ups in a way yes and keeping everything to a certain level that you've now achieved yeah and it can make a huge difference can't it and I mean I've certainly seen women who have stopped wearing underclothes or even sitting down is really difficult someone told me the other day that she'd stop going out with her friends and the friends were laughing and saying oh is that because you've got a new man in your life and joking (laughs) and she actually became more and more withdrawn and then one of her friends took her to one side and said you okay what's going on why aren't you coming out she said because I can't sit down I have to sit on a rubber ring and I can't come out to you to the pub or the cinema because it's too embarrassing and she said gosh don't you need help well yes but I don't know where to go I mean women don't talk about vaginal symptoms no of course not you can talk about hot flushes and have a bit of a laugh almost with a fan but you can't talk about how sore and uncomfortable your vagina is so easily can you well I give I give menopause awareness talks um, yes and I always discuss about vaginal problems yes. and it's women go fairly quiet yes. everyone listens very intently yes. and everyone I've always provide lots of samples mm. and I bet they all go they all go yes. and women often speak to me in private about yes. it because it's a big issue relationships are suffering because of it they totally are and yeah. it's quite um, staggering when you look at some of the research so around 70% of women we think have symptoms I, I'm sure it's even more but only 7% of women have treatment and um, I read recently that around 40% of women it takes three years to actually ask for help and then what's even worse which has frustrated me beyond belief is that around 50% of women who actually see a healthcare professional for their symptoms come away without treatment. I hear that all the time mm. unfortunately mm. Um, and I'm, I've, I'm always lost for words really yes, when people clearly have quite severe or certainly have significant menopausal symptoms that have no effect on their physical and their yes. quality of life they yes. can't function correctly totally. their relationships are suffering yeah um and and they're being refused yes. hrt yes even though there is no need there's no reason why they can't have yeah. it so that's certainly something needs addressing but even those women who don't want like I say to take HRT or even women that have had breast cancer yeah. who taking HRT really needs to be very individualized these women can still usually have vaginal estrogen. That's right. They? 
And I think that's really important because a lot of women are being turned away for treatment for their local symptoms because they people think it's the same as HRT. Yeah, and it's again, it's educating women that the vaginal oestrogen that they can have yes. doesn't affect them. It doesn't go into their, their main bloodstream. It just treats the cells yes. in the genitourinary tract. So all the, the vaginal, the urethra, all the vaginal symptoms will be relieved by having. Yes. So it, even though it's in the vagina, it still helps yeah. the urinary yeah, symptoms absolutely. as well, which is really good. And and then there is another treatment that's also coming out um, called osprenaphine, which is a tablet. I don't know if you've heard of this. This oral tablet, yes. and it's a therm. It's called a selective estrogen receptor modulator. Bit of a mouthful, <laughs> but it actually stimulates and helps the estrogen receptors in that area. So. For some women who, um, sometimes it's too uncomfortable, isn't it, for them to assert something in their vagina, or also elderly people who've got less manual dexterity, or a, a tablet is actually quite a good choice. And I'm thinking about those women in nursing homes who have yeah. symptoms. It's a lot easier to give someone a tablet rather than having a, a, a district nurse to come and give something vaginally. That's so right. It's, it, again, it's another option. And it's the practicalities, and it's like you said, it's a very individual thing, HRT. So what suits some women doesn't suit others. So for the for the elderly people yes. in the nursing homes, but you know, vaginal problems can be quite significant as Huge. well. Totally. And so we were also talking earlier about you working in the in an inner city area in out of hours. Um, so the population there, you were saying, is quite ethnically mixed, isn't it? So yes, you it is. see quite a few women from ethnic minorities who aren't really allowed in their culture sometimes to even talk about the menopause. Is that right? That's right. And again, it's only because I'm so up to date with menopause symptoms Mm. that I start to ask a question about their menstrual history and if they're having any menopausal symptoms because most of them have come in with either joint pains or they think they've got a urine infection or a vaginal infection. Mm. And once I actually tell them and explain to them what the symptoms of menopause are, they start to disclose the problems that they're having. And again, talking about painful sex Mm. isn't something that they would be open about. But because I've actually asked the question direct to them in a a confidential way, they feel quite comfortable to be open and talk to me about it. This is something, certainly some Asian communities, they really can't talk about, can they? No, no. And I've, I've spoken to quite a few ladies that have just said that, they have to have sex and it hurts a lot yes. and I'm saying that it doesn't have to hurt yeah. with the right treatment yes. and at least we've discussed it today and I can certainly guide them to get some lubricants and moisturizers that they can literally buy there and then and use so as a starting really point. it's really important isn't it that people get the right yeah. information and yeah. don't see it as an embarrassment no. or, or something that's almost a necessity as they get older and and do you think the, these people that you talk to will talk to their friends and try and educate them? Or? I do say that that to people mm. but I think we're a long way off yet yeah, yeah. long way off yes. I think it's just if we can help one individual person and then they'll realize that their symptoms are improving yes I just think it's going to be quite a slow process because it's not something we're a lot more vocal mm. about our symptoms yeah some of the minority groups that we see don't like to discuss things that are quite intimate yes um, so it's changing that culture yeah. isn't it yeah um, but if we if we have the information more accessible, yeah. then it's easier, isn't it? I think certainly um, with my website, it means you can hide in the toilet and have a look, can't you? If yes. you don't have a leaflet lying around at home for your partner to see and almost be disappointed that you're having these symptoms, you don't have to 
you don't have to disclose it in the same way, do you? No. Which and it's acknowledging, it. it's making people realise it's actually, a, it's quite normal yes, when you become menopausal yeah. to get these symptoms. Mm. But it's not the end of the world. It's just something that you need to recognise so you can and get treatment for it. Yes. And it's as simple as that, yeah. really. Because like you say, we now call it genital urinary syndrome of the menopause, GSM. It used to be more called, and some people still do, call uh, vagina vulval atrophy yeah if you look up atrophy the meaning in the dictionary it means wasting or withering away it's not a great term (laughs) is it it's a bit depressing (laughs) if you're only in your 30s 40s you know and have these symptoms because it's not just older women that have symptoms um i've seen some women who have started their menopausal symptoms by having vaginal soreness or itching and it's completely thrown them they hadn't realized at all so So, so talking about some of your events, you've done some here at Winton House where I run my menopause clinic and you've got this lovely tree, haven't you? Which the first time yeah. I saw you, you came upstairs with this tree. I was like, hi, Diane, <laughs> what are you doing? So just tell me about your tree. It's it? my, yeah, I call it my menopause tree. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's the branches of the tree. My logo on my website, my, my menopause or just me website is a tree. So the root causes of the menopause are the reduction in estrogen, progesterone, mm-hmm. testosterone but it's about aging as well so those are the root causes of what causes the menopause so on the branches of the tree will be the symptoms so what I like ladies to do when they come to my talks here particularly at Winton is that we've got little labels and Mm. they write down their main problems or their symptoms or their worries related to the menopause and they hang them on the tree um, and we we talk about their their symptoms. So they can reasons. do that anonymously, can they? Yeah. They can just, which I is, just give them a, a little label just to just to add on, really. And, and they like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a novel thing, and but it's just emphasising the fact that you know, and the majority of women when I give the talks that they all have the same problems. Yes. And yeah. it's just normalising it, making people think that they're not the only ones with totally. these problems. I mean, it's uh, people become very relieved, don't they, when they know yeah. they're not alone. Um, Absolutely. Because it's very, it can be very isolating and quite scary. I know I had symptoms for a few months and I had no idea, embarrassingly, what was going on. But I had so, my motivation was so low, my energy was so low. I just felt generally flat and joyless and I I just didn't want to do anything. And if I had to then come to one of your talks and realise other people were feeling the same, you can't say to your friends, oh, you know, I feel so fed up. I don't know why, but I really do. It's... It, you, it's almost like admitting you're a failure, whereas actually it's because of your failing hormones. Yeah. Um, so it's good. And, and I think, like you say, if you give women a passport to talk, then they really talk, don't they? Yes. And, and it's something that women need to do a lot more about. Yes. It's really got to open up, remove yeah. the taboos and yes. the shame associated with it. Yes. Because it shouldn't be a shame. I mean, it's no. a natural process, isn't it? Yeah. And we're not here to medicalise the menopause, no. but... If we go through or when we go through the menopause, we do have an increased risk of really important conditions, don't we? Yeah. And that's what I'm I'm more concerned about, mm. really, the long term effects of low estrogen in the body. Yeah. Um, the risks of heart disease, stroke and osteoporosis. Yes. Because these are really important. Yeah. Most of us will die of a heart-related condition, won't we? Well, I've worked in the emergency department for years and I used to see 40-year-old men having heart attacks all the time. Yes. Never did I see a 40-year-old woman coming through the door with no, a heart attack. And totally. it was only when I learned about the menopause, I realised it was the oestrogen that was protecting women yes. against heart attacks. 
of course, when it starts to deplete, particularly in the 60s, yes. that's when you start to see some changes occur. So Totally. That's why I think it's important that people know if they can have HRT and it's something they'd like to do, that the sooner they start it, the better protection. Yes, because it's, it's an anti-inflammatory on our blood vessel walls, isn't it? Yeah. And it reduces that atheroma. It can also lower cholesterol as well. Yeah. Um, so it's very important to think of it almost as a, treatment to reduce the risk of heart disease yes. which is quite weird for some people because some of the misinterpretation in the media from studies has said that HRT increases the risk of heart disease I know but we know it doesn't no so it's very important to get the right information isn't it and, and like we said before it's very clear that that's documented on the NICE guidelines as well yes. so We've also got some very good news, which I'd like to share with everyone that's listening, in that you've recently yeah. been working really hard. Really hard. And you've passed something. So tell us what you've done. I did. I um, did the non-medical prescribing course at uni and I passed which my prescribing well course, which means that I can prescribe medications now. Yes. Um, and so, yes. Which is phenomenal. So we're going yeah. to get you here to see some patients, see <laughs> some women. HRT. Yeah, so you can prescribe HRT. And there's a lot of nurses who are nurse prescribers, aren't they? Which is so good because it's the missing part sometimes of your consultation, isn't it? That you can't yes. Prescribe. And nurses, I know, we've been always more hands-on. Yes. And it's, it's, it's nice just to be able to sort of like, it's a complete holistic approach to, the, to patient care. Yes. In which you're seeing patients, assessing them, diagnosing them yes. and prescribing them treatment and yes. giving them follow-up advice. Yes. So it's that lovely continuity, really. And um, particularly with the menopause, I find there's a lot of satisfaction oh, it's huge. from that. Because yes. once you've identified what the problem is, and you've explained what they need to do. Mm. It's a, it really is It's a bit of a turning point in their lives. And they realise that, you know, there's hope and there's light at the Easily. end of the tunnel. Yes, so it's really good. And I think more and more nurses traditionally have been involved with contraception haven't they certainly yeah. in primary care and GP practices it's usually been nurses that have done contraception yeah. very well indeed and then um, certainly through my training they started to do asthma diabetes high blood pressure um, because nurses are so much better than doctors at sticking to protocols and doctors go off at a tangent <laughs> quite often and sometimes nurses have slightly longer appointments in primary That's care right, as we well do. which does make a difference especially think about the menopause so actually there's a lot of move now to think about nurses helping GPs to help with the menopause and a lot of nurses are of menopausal age aren't they so yes. when I lecture nurses there's a whole stream of questions um, and it's often about them as well so yeah. if we can help nurses to educate women but it in the same way helps themselves it might keep them staying at work a bit longer as well mightn't it yeah well, this is something that I'm really concerned it's a about huge problem actually. yes I'm of the same age mm. it's taking years of hard work Basically. and training to become quite senior in your nursing yes. roles and many people of my age the women are leaving yes. because they've got menopausal symptoms that yeah. aren't being addressed yeah. and they're not being helped in the workplace yes. So again, what is worrying is all that knowledge and all that experience as they're leaving or reducing their hours, it's wasted. So they're not mentoring other students um, and passing on their information because they're leaving the workplace because nursing's a difficult environment, hot hospitals, aprons, Mm. gloves, Mm. uh, long hours, very little breaks. Yeah. 
it's, it's, it's detrimental to your health, really. When you look really. at the figures, it's huge, isn't yeah. it, nurses that are leaving. And some of them will leave for other reasons. But we know from research that we've done in West Midlands Police that around 20% of women give up work because of the symptoms of the menopause. Yeah. The most common symptoms that affect people at work are anxiety, fatigue and memory problems. Yeah. So, you know, when you add that to a really busy job, then that's understandable that people are leaving, but it's a shame because there's treatment if they have yes. the right education. Talkingmenopause.co.uk have just started working with our local hospitals, actually here, so Heartlands, Good Hope Hospital and Queen Elizabeth, to give education into NHS employees, which yeah. is brilliant. Desperately um, needed. Just, it's desperately needed um, because if we can look after our staff in the NHS, the NHS is at breaking point anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So actually to help retain staff. And it's not just about what the problems to the NHS. My worry is that these women are leaving work early, but they're not having good lives. They're at home, yeah. they're tired, they're falling asleep on the sofa, they're not enjoying their grandchildren. In, and then, like you say, they've got this increased risk of heart disease and osteoporosis. Yeah. So we have a duty to help those for, for their future lives as well, don't we? And also the nurses that are there that continue to work, if they have the right education and the right advice, they can continue working, but they can also identify patients on the ward, exactly. women on the ward, that may be experiencing menopausal symptoms and they can identify with them and say, well, actually, maybe you need to be thinking that you're menopausal yes. and, in, and looking for some treatment and providing some advice or at least having that conversation mm. with them. Mm. And again, the patients might not even realise well, that totally. they've got it. Absolutely. So, um, and it's yeah. about passing the information on, really. And coming from a health professional to the patients, the ladies on the ward, you know, that's what's needed. It's huge, totally. Yeah. So it's all about education. It is, very <laughs> much so. So thank you ever so much. That's been brilliant and I hope thank that's you. been very informative to you listening. So just before we end, I would like to ask Diane three take-home tips just from our brief conversation today that people can reflect and hopefully learn from. I think one of them is to read up about the menopause mm-hmm. and see how it could affect you discuss it with your GP, but always make sure that you take plenty of information with you um, so that you're armed with the information about the menopause and be very open and honest with your families as well and explain to them how you're feeling and so they can be supportive of you and you can all find a solution together. Brilliant. Thank you. Very wise words. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.